Welcome to the Great American Collectibles Show, heard Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on PSA.com and the PSA Facebook page. The Great American Collectibles Show is brought to you by PSA and the National Sports Collectors Convention. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, visit sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, your hosts, Tom Zappala and John Mallory. JM, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? It feels like it's been forever. I'm back. I am back. You're back, but more importantly... How you doing? I'm so doing you, you and Ellen? Yeah, we're doing well. We're doing well. A little, we're, uh, yeah, little we're COVID pa- stuff there. We're past it. You know, last week I did the I did the show remotely from yep. home, and I had already tested negative, but I didn't want to take a chance. But you know, I'm, I don't want to pont- pontificate, but I'm telling our viewers and listeners, listen, we all make choices in life. Uh, Ellen and I, over the last three years, have been very vigilant about taking the precautions necessary not to get. COVID. Right. Unfortunately, we got the Omicron, the Omicron uh, at, at my birthday party. <laughs> and I know exactly who Ground Zero was. Okay. My four-year-old granddaughter. Oh, there you who go. Who had it, but they didn't know it at the time. Right. And she helped blow up my candles with me. Oh, man. So that, that, was, that was the end of that. But point being is this. I'm not trying to pontificate, but all I can say is if you haven't been vaxxed, really consider getting vaxxed. You guys and getting both vaxxed and boosted. Vaxxed and yep. boosted. Um, and the doctor said to both of us, he said, look, if you guys weren't vaxxed, it would have been a lot more sure. difficult uh, recovery period for you guys. So, yeah. again, I'm not pontificating, but if, uh, if you, you know, if, at least think about it. If you haven't been vaxxed or boosted, uh, at least think about it. Especially, and you know, John Tobby's coming on with us in about two seconds. If you're going to the national, you may want to consider that. Yeah, you know, right. you just wait, may want to consider. A lot of people, a lot of people are going to be there. Quarters, yeah, exactly. Right. All right, we have a great show. Glad today. you're healthy and back. I am. We've got John Tobby uh, from JT Sports, one of our favorites, regular. Uh, we're really, really excited. Our guest host today is Tom Rudgie. He's the founder of Destiny Wealth Partners. Sounds kind of really cool. He's a financial guy, uh, advisor, but he is so much more than that. And we're gonna, he is one of the biggest collectors uh, on the PSA registry, big time collector, and he's got a real, really nice concept about what to do with your wealth, yep. either after you sell it, if you're not going to leave it to your kids. If your wife's not interested in it, yep. how, to, how to place all that stuff. So, and he also has some thoughts on collectibles being, you know, a sort of an aside investment absolutely. for people, too. The absolutely. stuff that we talk about as part of your investment portfolio. And so. then lastly, uh, kind of <clears throat> cool, Jeff Marin from Rockhurst Auctions yeah, he's is coming good. on because Jeff, in three weeks, he is running the Elvis Presley auction at Graceland. The live auction. At Graceland. In Memphis, yeah. yeah. So he, right. that's going to be cool to talk to him. Yep. First, our headlines. I'm going to kind of, uh, I guess we're going to promote ourselves, JM. What's wrong with that? On the headline. Headline and Rich Mueller from our good friends at Sports Collectors Daily. It was a nice article on it. Our new book. And I'm pointing to right here, the Diamondbacks Collection, 50 of the greatest cards in sports collecting history, is now officially out. And we're very, very excited awesome. about it. The, yep. book, the book launch is going to be at the National. Interestingly enough, I don't even know if you know this, because I haven't talked to you. I probably don't. We are going to be signing the books at the ESCM booth. Our good friend Joe Drellick. ECSM. Thank you. ECSM. You, always, you just say East Coast Sports Mark. Don't ever say the abbreviation Thank you. again. We're going to be signing the book there. <laughs> they, we're going to do a meet and greet with us. Yep. Rico will be there. Nice. And James Fiorentino, who contributed to some wonderful images Absolutely. of the book. Yeah. With, in conjunction with that, Ken Kendricks has been gracious enough. The owner of the Diamondbacks. To send his entire Diamondbacks collection that is going to be on display at the collector booth. 
not the PSA booth. They're two different booths, the yeah. collector's booth and PSA. Okay. That is going to be. I didn't know that. Yeah. The, uh, the Diamondbacks collection is going to be on display at the collector's booth. So wow. we're going to be going back and forth. Wow. If you want to buy a book, you can buy it online. Go to Amazon. Not Amazon. Yep. You can go to TomZapplerMedia.com, or you can buy them right at the show. We will be more than happy to sign them. You can take some pictures in front of the infamous Honus Wagner card <laughs> uh, and all that good stuff. All right, with that being said, let's bring in – oh, John's already with us. Hey, John, how are you? Good to see you. John, you're in, up, John? Uh, you're in national mode, aren't you? Hey, we, uh, I start going into national mode in January. Do you really? <laughs> and we start prepping. Oh, yeah, we start building inventory. Uh, you know, it's, it's a big show for us, and uh, it's an exciting time. And we try to, you know, you you stop by the booth each year. We try to have something fresh, something new. And, uh, you know, we, we're expecting to have a great show this year, too. You always, always have a few surprises. Can you share one or two of them with us? Well, we're going to have, you know, some of the top bill names. Um, and f- forgive me, I am a Yankee fan. I know you are. I know you that are. That has nothing to do, coincidentally, with some of the big big names oh I'm sure have. it doesn't <laughs> we'll start we're going to have uh, jackie robinson will be represented at the booth we'll have joe dimaggio we will have a very interesting lou gehrig bat that was used by lou as a member of the hartford senators oh wow before his uh, entry into the big leagues wow. all right uh we have got uh oh gosh we have got a beautiful uh, Mel Ottbat that was sourced at Wrigley Field uh, circa 1940. And uh, one bat that I am tr- very excited about and fresh to the hobby. We will have it on display at our booth. It's never been seen before. Uh, Ty Cobb rookie bat. Oh, wow. Double vault marked. Wow. wow. <laughs> and it's vault and it's vault mark C28, which was his purse, the only personal model that he had. Um, and that will be on display at the booth. By John, the way, for, for our viewers yeah. and listeners, you know, John is the authenticator for bats for PSA. Yeah. Just make sure everybody clearly understands that uh, PSA doesn't even grade a bat until John Tarby gives it his blessing. Yeah. John, I've done a couple of shows now where you've been, and your booth is always one of the most visited. There's always a crowd of people around it. I think it's because, and we've talked about this before, it's because the bat is even different from a card or something like that because this is the thing that was actually touched, was used by the player. Is that the allure allure of the bat? Is that why people, even people aren't going to buy anything, they just want to kind of look at it and be close to something that was that close to the legend? Well, it's a very personal item, okay? It's, you know, the, you can, and I'm not, no, I'm not slighting, you know, the game used uniforms. Sure. Uh, you know, which, you know, in our hobby, they, they are the most valuable, the unrestored, and they are rare. But that's a shirt that a player just puts on, takes out of his locker and puts it on. Right. The baseball bat is something that is personal to the player from the time you're in Little League. You have your bat. You tape it. You, you know, the pros, they put pine tar in it. They put stickum on it. They have a certain length, a certain model, a certain weight. And it's just a very personal item. Look last night at the home run derby. Look at the bats those players uh, were swinging. Right. Uh, yeah. That were made for them by the manufacturer. Right. John, I'm they, sure some of those bats, I was thinking about that. I'm sure some of those bats will make their way to uh, John Tarby at some point in time. Hopefully, hopefully they'll cross our desk for PSA letter of authenticity. John, when you say, you know, you said at the top, you start prepping for the national in January. And I, and I believe you. Is it is it that you're going now when you talk about that? Are you seeking things that are special, like going out and being proactively looking for things that are special for the show? Is it do you kind of get something in February or March and say, I'm going to hold this for the national? Yeah. Kind of expound on that a little bit. Well, Starting in, you know, about starting in January, uh, late, late fall, December, January, yeah. we start contacting, we've got a great client base. And uh, again, uh, because we are PSA authenticators, uh, 
we were familiar with with collectors and you know the collections that they have and what they may be interested in selling so we'll start contacting people at that point in time for quality items and we bring it in uh we uh if you, you have to freshen up a letter, add some photography, some additional pictures, and we start building the inventory at that point in time. Awesome. John, yeah. we, we really, uh, I look forward to seeing you. Ellen, John, Rico, we have a blast uh, with you when, when we're there. Uh, if, if you, I, I'll guarantee you, you cannot answer this question. <laughs> what is your booth number? You want to bet? Uh, see? <laughs> wow. <laughs> In a million years, I did not think you would be able to answer that question. 616 and 620. 616 and 620. <laughs> I am shocked. Because yeah. you don't, you think Make Grady. Sure you tell me that. None of those other guys. I've asked, I've asked Grady. <laughs> I've asked Brian Dwyer. <laughs> they have no clue. No clue. Just look for their sign. <laughs> All right, John. We really look forward uh, to seeing you at the National uh, again, camera crew will be around. We're going to do a little interview, Good. and uh, I owe you a hot dog. Hey, I'll hold you to that, and you've got to see the cob, and I'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. Take care. John Tarby from JT Sports. What oh, a yeah. Good guy. Unbelievable. You know, guy. he has just. If anybody that buys a bat, if they don't consult with him, yeah. they're, they're, it's, they have to. They yep. just have to consult with him. All right, let's bring in our guest host today. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Tom Raji is the founder of Destiny Wealth Partners. Now, that, you know, that sounds really kind of cool, right? <laughs> but it goes so much further than that. So uh, welcome, Tom, number one. Uh, I'm Tom. Say hi to John, JM. Tom, nice to meet you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, John, it's nice to meet you as well. Thanks for having me. And, uh, Tom, I'm glad you're recovering well from... Uh, from your bout with COVID, uh, you may be able to tell I've got a little bit of a head cold myself, so I'm not quite 100 percent this morning. But uh, that's but I, that's I, just I'm doing good. We you heard that Tom Rushy at 85 percent is better than anyone else. That <laughs> that's I'm right. Here. That's right. <laughs> You're not kidding. Yeah, just keep on repeating. I don't like that. <laughs> hey, Tom. Before we get before we uh, we get into 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 deep discussion about you know what what your company is all about. You know, you have some amazing PSA speaks highly of you. Can we talk about your personal collection first of all? Can you tell us about some of the amazing items that you have? Of course. Um, I, I've, I've always been most fond of, of autographs. So I started collecting autographs as a young kid, literally, you know, being in Florida, spring training, um, would be at the dugouts just, you know, trying to get a program signed or whatever. And and that escalated to um, to autograph cards, and and that has really um, become a, a, a lifelong hobby and passion of mine. Um, I, I did collect traditional baseball cards initially. I, I sold most of those off um, in the early '80s. I was I was in the craze of rookies, so you know I was buying all, buying all the rookie cards I could buy and whatnot. So even even as a kid, I always looked at it as kind of an investment, um, but investing in something I loved, but you know, my, my collection today, um, I don't know how many autograph cards I have, but just to put it in perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm within, you know, single digits or, or very low double digits of completing the 52 top set. Wow. All, all signed, uh, 51 Bowman set, the 53 Bowman set, the 53 top set, the 54 top set, God. 56 top set, 60, 61. All signed. All, all autographed. Signed. All signed, yes. Wow. And, so, then, and then, I, then it progresses, like I kind of skip between 61 and, and get up into my heyday of, of collecting as a kid. So the, you know, the, the 79 set is, is very... Uh, influential for me because that that was my first big year of collecting a set so so you know your philosophy is very similar to john tobby's where you know you take a bat you take a signed card the player's dna yes is there yes you know what i mean yes. and i think that's what's really cool i mean not not listen i I've, I've been a card collector for 35 years not that there's anything wrong with collecting cardboard but there is something to be said about that signature on the game used bat that signature on a card 
or even that spike mark. You know yeah. what I mean? Right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, no doubt. It's Tom. I want to switch gears because I know John is listening, and he may not hang with us. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of switch gears again uh, a little bit. Um, the crux of what you and I talked about regarding your company, and you you really uh, uh, spent some time explaining to me, you know, the little niche that you are developing or that you have developed for people that have collections, high-end collections, what to do with their wealth, how to move it. Uh, my wife is not interested in my T206 collection. What should I do? Can you touch upon all of that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I've been in the wealth management business for over 30 years, and I've been a, a collector for I mean, I'm 54 years old. I've been I've been collecting since I was nine, so you know, let's call it 45 years. And it, it it really because I've had the the you know the good fortune to be able to invest in my own collection. It, you know, the paths kind of crossed. Of you know, you start building a really nice collection, and then you start having escalating values like we've had over the last several years. And what I've realized is that. You know, because of, of my background and my, you know, my career, I probably do a much better job than the majority of people out there that have a sizable collection like I do. I probably do a much better job of cataloging it, insuring it, updating the values. Um, and, and, and then I've, I've done a good job of making sure that, you know, God forbid, I don't make it home today that my wife knows various auction houses and places to go to ultimately get rid of my collection. But um, again, I, I think the crux of it is, is I realize that I probably have still a lot of, 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 of shortfalls in my own planning. And if I do, given my background, I felt like that was probably an area that a lot of other people out there would have the same problems. And so we have we have gone and started building up a niche of how do we help people that have large collections? How do we help them to think about that from an investment standpoint, from a tax standpoint, from an estate planning standpoint? And and, and when I say estate planning, I'm really talking a succession standpoint. You know, if, if I don't make it home today, my kids are not interested in my collection. My right. wife is not interested in my collection. So what do we you know? What does somebody like me do? Yeah. Tom, you, I have so many questions based on what you do, and I think you live in that area that we always talk about, because th this whole business of collectibles really is that balance between fun and passion, and I share your, your time. I'm a little, I'm a couple years older than you, Zap is like 20 years older than us, so forget <laughs> I him. I am but we're, we're in that same era, that, that, that late 70s, early, that's my wheelhouse, man, that, that's where <laughs> I started collecting, that's where I started loving sports, but it's the passion and then it's, it's the investment part of it, and you live in that world, and you seem to have found that, that happy medium right. between combining your passion with sound investing, and I want to talk about investing from that standpoint, because I've read up about, I know you've said in a lot of publications that you can have your investment portfolio, but things like collectibles, the right ones and art can be part of that investment portfolio. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, it, and you know, I, I've, I've made, I, I think for collectibles, at least for me, and I, I know there's a lot of people that have differing opinions out there, but, but the passion does come first. I mean, I, I, I that's where we all buy, start. That's where we all start. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't buy anything solely as I, I think I'm going to be able to flip this and make a bunch of money on it. Otherwise, frankly, I'd probably be investing in some of the, you know, the, the real expensive newer cards that, that philosophically I've, I've got a little bit of a disagreement, not a disagreement. It's just not, I'm just not passionate. About we're we're going to touch upon that too, because we're on the same page. You and I talked about that, but go ahead, continue. We'll talk yeah. about that later on. You know, so, so, you know, back in the day, I would, I would actually allocate a certain percentage of my investable assets to go towards, um, you know, my, my, my sports collection. Yep. And to some extent, I kind of justified, I, I did that really to, to pacify my wife who was like, Hey, you keep on buying all this stuff. And, <laughs> and I was like, Hey, it's an investment. So, so I, I, I really kind of pitched the, uh, Sounds like you know, that we're, one. Right. we're putting like 20% of our, our investment portfolio into sports memorabilia. But, um, but again, for me, passion is first. Um, I love everything I have, but, but that being said, the, 
I always look at the, the things that I buy through the lens of, is this something that I also think is going to appreciate in value? And I, I just, it's, it's my background and just the way I am. And I think it's important to, um, you know, to, to consider it as an investment, even though you do have that passion. And, Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. I, I know John is listening. John, I know you're busy. If you can hang in just for another few minutes, because I, I, I want to ask Tom, I want to ask you the question regarding advising people also. And John, again, I know you're listening. Keep that in the back of your mind, too, because you're the expert in bats. You're the expert in autograph cards and, and just financial assets. What am, what am I the expert in? Nothing. I want to I, I wanna get your opinions on, are you, are you crossing a line by advising people also? We're chatting with Tom Rushy. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game-used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalier and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. 
By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. Okay, we are back and chatting with Tom Reggie, founder of Destiny Wealth Partners. Tom, before we, before we took uh, a break, you know, uh, I look at, and I think JM does too, collecting for the love of it. Uh, yes, it's an investment. Of course, it's a big investment. But I'm not a big fan of speculating. I'm not a big fan, everybody knows this, of the ultra-modern modern and ultra-modern cards, buying one, flipping it, trying to make a quick buck. Some people are very successful at it. I, I, I kind of look at it with a little a jaundiced eye. My question to you is, from you're covering everything, would you ever consider advising people also on what direction to go? For instance, in, with your niche, uh, vintage signed uh, cards. Hey, Tom, I have an opportunity to buy uh, an Eddie Plank, not an Eddie Plank, but a uh, Shag Shaughnessy signed T206 card. What are your thoughts on that? Should I, make the, should I make the plunge? Should I spend the money? Or do you feel like you really don't want to get into those waters? And John, I'm asking you to think about this in the background for the same reason. Do you guys advise, and we'll get, we'll get the answer later on down the road for, for John, but do you, would you consider advising people? Well, from my standpoint, I, I, I would. Um, I would have no problem advising people, but, but it, it, advice is, is what it is. I mean, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, and, and I'd probably be, you know, provide a lot of clarity around that. So, you know, in, in your example, yeah, I, I don't know that I know enough about that to advise if that's a good purchase or not, because I would I, I would look at that example of a, of a T206 as a very niche purchase, which from an investment standpoint may or may not have a lot of, of upside potential down the road because you have to find that niche person to, to turn around and, and buy it if you were selling it down the road. Good point. Um, Good point. If I can just piggyback on that, in, in reading things that you've written, Tom, and that things have been written about you, you talk about things about like diversification, patient capital, basically thinking before you buy and having a plan. That applies to, that can apply to buying collectibles as, as well as stocks or anything like that, right? It, it's, it's really conceptually, it's, it's almost exactly the same. Right. Yeah, right. no doubt. No uh, doubt. You know, you've, got the, you've got the blue chip stocks, you know, you're, you're you're not going to go bad with Babe Ruth and Muhammad Ali and and you know others like that, and then you have, you know the uh, the the new things that Tom you were alluding to. I mean, to me, that's kind of like uh, you know today it's like cryptocurrency. Well, well and, you know, and we and <laughs> you, you can hit a home run with it, but you you also can uh, take a bath on well, it. Well, I and we talked about that uh, off <laughs> off the air a few days back. You know, uh, especially in the modern end. I mean, we said it. Babe Ruth's dead. He's not coming back. Uh, Ty Cobb is dead. He's not coming back. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. There's, you're not gonna find a brand new 1933 Gaudi Babe Ruth. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the the thing that on the modern and ultra modern uh, side of the fence that uh, I have a problem with, and again, I know there's a lot of speculators slash investors out there, and you know we call it uh, uh, short prints. Uh, we call it, uh, uh, you know, when, when there's a, a manufactured rarities, you know, if you're going to, you know, you're printing a, a Zion Williamson uh, chrome-plated, hypodelic, uh, you know, one-of-one one card, it's something that's being created to create value and scarcity. I have a problem with that. It's, it's being created to create demand. But but the problem with that is the printer is still going. So next year it could be another one of one Zion Williamson. Exactly. You know, yeah. And and 
you know, uh, we're, we're, we're on the same page there. Yeah. I've done five books now with you, Zap, and the first one I did was the Cracker Jack It's like getting a root canal. It really is. I mean, it's not easy. Uh, six is a question. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but when I, you know, I came from it as a background being in broadcasting and, and, and writing about sports. And, you know, when you go to do these player bios, you think about, well, how many, you know, how many hits did they get? How many home runs did they hit? What have you? But in doing some, especially some of the lesser known players, you start to really get involved in the background of the players, and especially the old-time players who all had other jobs other than playing baseball. Some were bootleggers, some were doing this, that, whatever. Um, and I know you mentioned in an article, uh, Tom, about you know, Howie Fox was a player that, that you brought up and the background of the player. I think we all kind of share that. Is that it's not just about the stats, especially when you're doing sets. You learn about the person, right? Well, that's, that's true. And, and what I was alluding to in that article is, I mean, I, I just picked up a, an additional card from my 52 top sign set, uh, picked up a, a, a Chuck Dreesen. It's the, the only known example autographed. So did I overpay for it? Yes. Could I turn around and sell it for what I bought it for today? Probably not. But, but that's, that's, again, where the, where the passion intersects the investment value and when I buy something like that, I'm, I have a long-term view on it because I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold it either until I die or until I get old enough where I'm, I'm ready to get rid of my collection. Tom, what, did any of your autograph cards, did you actually get them autographed from the player or most of them bought uh, online or at shows? Or what was that, what's the mix like in your collection? I mean, I've, I've, I've gotten a lot of autographs uh, in person. Yeah. I used to... I used to be the guy that, again, even even in my twenties, uh, I was the guy hanging hanging around dugouts and yeah. having having people, you know, players ten years younger than me, look at me like, "What the hell are you doing here?" <laughs> hey, listen, I, I pushed a six year old out of the way to get a ball thrown to me by Louis Tian, nineteen eighty two. I was seventeen, so <laughs> they, always, they always looked at me like uh, like I had an eBay. Uh, everything I was doing, I was putting on eBay, but in my own personal collection. <laughs> Tom, uh, you've written for Forbes magazine and Barron's has written about you. Uh, you recently did an interview with uh, uh, one of our Boston icons, Wade Boggs. Can we talk about that for, for a second? Of and Absolutely. the reason being, because I know Toby, uh, all of a sudden his ears are perking up because, you know, t t tell our listeners and our viewers your conversation with him relative to his memorabilia, and by the way, if he happens to have a gamer hanging around, John Tarby would certainly be interested in it. Yeah, I think John would be, I think, John, you'd have a lot of interest in, in what he told me he still has. Uh, yes, uh, that's, that's kind of the avenue that I've been going down is, is really that thought process of why, you know, whether it's a, a famous Hall of Fame athlete like Wade Boggs or somebody like myself or John or you two, um, but, you know, why and when do you make decisions about your collection? And so I had the good fortune to get to interview Wade. And, um, you know, at, at this point, he's 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 sold most of his what he would call his common stuff, his you know game used bats, but nothing of significance, game used jerseys, but nothing of significance. But he still kept all of his one of a kind items. He's got. He's got all of his all-star rings. He's got the jersey that is still champagne-soaked from the, the Yankees World Series victory. On that damn horse. <laughs> On that horse, yes. Um, he, has his, he has the balls from his 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, 2,500, and 3,000 pit. He has all those balls. He has his entire, everything he was wearing when he got his 3,000 pit. So... What was interesting to me in interviewing Wade, which wasn't surprising, but A, he doesn't know what the value is because unless you put these one-of-a-kind you know, uh, uh, pieces up for auction, it's hard to tell what the value is. I mean, somebody might pay a half million dollars for that, that Yankees jersey, and yet somebody might pay 50000 I mean, you just don't know. You don't know what the collectors are out there. John probably has a good idea, but, but um, you're making a good point because and we've and we've talked to Rico about this. I mean, obviously, Rico's not Wade Boggs, but Rico was a you know four-time, five-time All-Star. Uh, 
you know, he hit, uh, he, he held the American League record for a shortstop for home runs for, right. until A-Rod broke that. Yep. And, you know, you walk into Rico's house and you get out in his basement and he's got all kinds of really cool stuff, does not have a clue as to the value of any of it. Yeah. And we've talked about it. We've, I said, Rick, you got to start cataloging this stuff. I mean, the, the bat's at the Hall of Fame. But other than that, he's got the ball. I mean, it's just, is that part and parcel with most of these players that they honestly don't know the value of what they have? And then we, we, you and I spoke about, and you, you remember this, Bob Cousy. Now, Cousy sold his entire collection just about. Yeah and the money went to his grandkids. Right. I mean, do a lot of players sell, sell their, their, their assets because they need the money or because they want to leave it to somebody? And would you advise them on that? How to, how, what to do with that money once they sell it? I would, I would certainly advise on that. <clears throat> My, this is what I'm, I'm digging into more. So I, I don't have enough to specifically answer the questions. Um, I, 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 I've done enough research to know that Unfortunately, I think a lot of athletes sell their things because they have to. And if there's really three schools, there's the, the selling it because you have to, there's the selling it while you're living like Cal Ripken just did. And, in, in his, you know, the, the golden auctions where he sold off a lot of his memorabilia. Um, I don't know for a fact, but I, 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 I'm, I feel pretty good that Cal's probably not hurting for money. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and so, you know, he took the proceeds from that. And that went to the foundation that was set up for his father. Um, and then you've got the, you know, a lot of, you see a lot of auctions where um, post-mortem collections are being sold. Um, you know, Bob Gibson's was sold. Right. After he passed, Al Kaline's. Um, I mean, a lot of, of memorabilia is sold once the player passes, passes on. And, um, you know, I, I think the big question that I have and, and really what I challenged Wade Boggs with is, are you prepared for that? Is your family prepared for that? And I'm, I'm willing to bet that as a generality, the answer is no. Right. right. And of course that, that applies to, to, you know, somebody like Wade Boggs, but again, it also applies to me sure. you know, as just a collector because I've, I've got the same problem. So oh, okay. if I may follow up. So, I have a I have a pretty good collection, and for the sake of conversation, my wife is not interested, has no interest in it at all, nor do my kids or grandkids. This is all hypothetical. So when the time comes and the big guy calls me, you die. Thank you. You don't have to quite. <laughs> you don't have to quite present it saying. that way. <laughs> you had COVID. So. Oh, <laughs> Point being, uh, Tom is what should the next step be for... After the party. After the party. For these assets that are, that are there, and my wife doesn't know if my tight T206 Cobb green background is worth anything. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think the, uh, the, it's not a next step after you die. It's a first step before you die. Right. And, and I think that there's, there's a process that that you know using your hypothetical example that that you really ought to take the time to to walk through a process of cataloging what you have cataloging what the value is making sure it's properly insured and 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 then probably most importantly is is giving directives of what would happen with your collection when you do pass Um, you know my my collections I've, i've got the autograph cards but I also have, you know, 35 um, uh, original artwork. And I think that's a different avenue of where that should be sold sure. versus where my cards should be sold. Um, I've, got, I've got some boxing memorabilia. I think that might be a different avenue of where that would be sold versus everything else. So I, I, I think the, the, the main step that I would suggest to anybody, and yes, I would be happy to advise on this, but is putting the directives in place of really what currently makes up your collection and what is the best way to get rid of that collection should you, should you pass away. You know, Tom, everyone has their opinion on collecting and what you should collect. What has more value? What has less value? I can remember growing up, some people said, you know, don't, don't get a, a really good 
potentially valuable or passionate card autographed. It takes away the value. Exactly. Yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit in your decision-making process to go with autograph cards? Was it a player, a team that you got your first autograph card and said, I like this, I'm going to go with that, and, and that balance did, between autograph versus And you really did go against the grain back then. I mean, right. there's no doubt. because you used to say, you, don't get it autographed. You were doing it's a no-no, yeah, yeah. and, and now in right. retrospect, it was, it was a great thing that you yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that was a conscious decision. I, I, I've heard the same, you know, you, you, you shouldn't get, get things autographed like that. But um, it's, it's just where my passion was. And, and so I didn't, I didn't let, you know, conventional wisdom change the direction of my passion. Um, I mean, help. I, I, I've got over 30 Dick Perez original art prints. And I believe 20 of those are 20 plus of those are autographed. And, wow. and that's, that's probably a no, no as well. But yeah, personally, I would rather buy that already signed or to get it signed than, than not have it signed at all. Right. And, and it's, again, it's just my passion. Hey, uh, can you give us kind of an overview? We've got about five minutes left, four or five minutes, guys. Um, can you give us an overview of destiny wealth partners, what the business is all about. Obviously, it's more than just uh, uh, memorabilia. Uh, your financial advisors, I know, I know for a fact, which was a brilliant move, by the way, brilliant move, that you have an office in the villages. Like, that's gold. That is gold. Uh, Ellen and I go to the villages once a year. Rico and I have gone a couple of times to speak to Red Sox Nation. I mean... A lot of people with a lot of wealth that are yeah. up there in years there. But tell us about the, the company itself. Well, and, and I hope to join uh, you and Rico next time that you're there. So I uh, uh, would, would love to uh, connect with you. But, um, you know, my, my business is it started as a traditional wealth management business. Been doing it over 30 years. Um, started from scratch. You know, I, I was raised, um, like I say, I was raised poor, but, but I was lower middle class at best. And, you know, have grown a, a very nice business from scratch. You know, where we sit now, we have our traditional wealth management. My time is, is focused on the family office side, which is, is effectively where I'm taking care of. Uh, a, a, a good portion of my time is taking care of, of 14 families that I manage all of their wealth. And, and again, that includes collectibles. And, you know, we're talking sports here, but, it, you know, it could be artwork. It could be cars. Sure. Yep. It could be, you know, all sorts of so. It's, it's, it's a big niche that most of my higher net worth clients have the same thing in common, that they've got collections. So that's, that's where I spend my time. Uh, we do a lot on the investment side. We do a lot of alternative investments. Uh, we run our own portfolios. I mean, we're, we're, we've, we've got a lot going on, so it's, it's fun. Can you talk a little bit about your family foundation? Because you, you have you know, built this up yeah. and you do give back. Talk, we'll give you a little time to talk about that, Tom. Well, I, and I appreciate that. So, um, ironically, when I when I do sell anything, which the only time I pretty much sell something, it's um, because I've I've gotten a better signed card, a better graded card, or something like that. So, I do not buy stuff to sell it. But whenever I do sell things, the hundred percent of the proceeds go into our foundation. Um, our foundation is is really it serves a lot of purposes because. Um, you know, being in my business, we have a lot of clients with different things that they're involved in. So we do a lot there, but, but I've given a lot back to um, my college, my high school. We, we have a scholarship at my high school. Um, we just, so, you know, try to do a lot for the kids. Good for you. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about your business, how can they do that? They are welcome to contact me by phone or by, by email, but the email is T. Ruggi, it's R-U-G-G-I-E, at destinyfamilyoffice.com. And you have a website, correct? We do. So they could just type in destinyfamilywealth.com and it would show up. It'd be, it'd be uh, destinywealthpartners.com. Destiny Wealth Partners. Tom, it's been such a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Uh, really a wealth of knowledge, and you really enlightened, especially John, because quite frankly, he's got... He's not the brightest bulb, but aside from that. Can we uh, run down the numbers again on that? Or that? <laughs> uh, thanks so much for, no. for joining. Are you going to be at the National? Are we going to see you? 
I am actually. Oh, fantastic. Oh, good. All right, so we're going to be uh, broadcasting uh, from 2 to 4 on Friday at, on the Burka stage. We'll be around. Please look us up. We'll be, we'll be around. You'll, You'll find us. We'll, we'll find it. You can, we'll you can text me, too. And, yeah, thank, thank you for having me. And sorry my voice is, uh, That's is, quite a, a, right. is a little bit sketchy, but... Uh, Appreciate you having me on and, and thoroughly enjoyed it, John. Nice meeting you as well. Good and I don't Same know if you, I don't know if, if Toby's going to hang hang around, but you know when I was at Austin Prep my senior year, we won the Austin Prep Wiffle Bat Tournament, and That's I great. have my Wiffle Bat, and I'm willing to sign it and see if it's worth anything. That's good because that was actually the baseball team at Austin Prep, wasn't it? It was the Wiffle Ball team. It's great. With that being said, Tom, thank you so much. John, if you're going to hang in, you're welcome to. If not, we'll see you with the National. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. Jeff Marin is going to talk to us about the Elvis, the, the Elvis auction. Hang in there. We'll be right back. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on their tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned. The highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become Another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. With so many fakes out there, it's hard to figure out if the sneakers you want are real. But when you buy eligible sneakers on eBay, you can be confident they're genuine because every pair goes through a meticulous authentication process. Introducing eBay Authenticity Guarantee. First, the sneakers you've purchased are inspected by a team of professional authenticators who carefully examine the shoes, including color, pattern, logos, and materials. Then they're measured and compared to the eBay listing to make sure they match. 
Even the laces, accessories, and box are checked. Once your sneakers are verified, they receive an authenticity tag. And every tag is NFC enabled so you can see the detailed specs. eBay Authenticity Guarantee. No fakes, no fraud, no doubt. And eBay is the place to go, Zav, for all of your memorabilia, sports or non-sports, cards, autographs, and much more. Whether it's a gift for that special someone or you just want to add to your collection, eBay's huge marketplace should be your first stop. And if you sell, God knows you sell, also sell out. Now's the time to flip your cards and get some extra cash. I shop on eBay all the time. Why me? I have to get something for your 75th. I'm late on that. That's eBay connecting (laughs) buyers and sellers globally. Are you done? I am. Thank Thank you. you. All right, listen, this is kind of, I'm kind of excited about this because Jeff Marin is on board with us now. Let's bring Jeff in. How are you, Jeff? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good, good. And I know that uh, Mr. Tobby and Tom Reggie are both watching in the background, our previous guests, and Tobby especially. He's he's got to be, how old would Elvis be today? Really? He died in 77. He was 42. So that was, what, uh, 45 years ago? So about Tobby's age. So he'd be about 87. Yeah, yeah about Tobby's A couple age. years younger right, than Tobby. That's right. right. So Tobby, Tobby was a big Tobby. fan, right? <laughs> uh, we went to high school together, actually. <laughs> so, uh, so, Jeff, uh, you have a really important and exciting auction. You know, just real, real briefly, prior to this show, I have uh, I, I co-host another show, and my co-host of the other show is an Elvis freak. He's Mikey. an Elvis fanatic. Mikey, yeah. When I told him that you were coming on board, 87? Yeah, Toby's about 87. Uh, when I was when, uh, on, uh, he is so I excited that he's going to watch the show and he is going to participate in your auction. But anyway, tell us about it because it really is exciting. Yeah, so on August 14th down in Memphis, we're going to have our uh, inaugural live auction during uh, Elvis week. We're calling it the auction on Elvis Presley Boulevard. Because uh, that's where the location is, so it's a nice title. Uh, we haven't been able to do a live auction in a few years for uh, you know pandemic reasons, so we're kind of excited about that. Uh, you know, before I opened Rockhurst Auction, I ran live auctions down in Memphis for about five years for the estate for the Elvis Presley estate under the moniker Graceland Auction. So this is exciting to get all the clients back together in a room and uh, you know throw the paddles up and see what happens. So we've been we've been collecting material for you know most of this year for this one. We run three big auctions a year anyway in April. August and, De- and December, but uh, this special live one we're pretty excited about. Now, it's going to be right at Graceland? It's right down the street in another location on Elvis Presley Boulevard in a hotel. So we'll be holding the, uh, it'll be on Sunday night, August 14th. You'll also be able to bid live uh, on our website at rockhurstauctions.com during the auction. We'll even set up phone bids for people as, uh, you know, as old as you guys. <laughs> you know, how did me. you come up with the name <laughs> The Auction on Elvis Presley Boulevard, Jeff? Oh, you know, it's it's a marketing uh, sort of idea. Uh, the auction's taking place on Elvis Presley Boulevard, so yeah, that meeting was about five minutes. And we figured it out. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk That's about great. the consignments. That's poetry. Right let's there. let's talk about the consignments. Are the consignments are, are they coming in from private consigners, from the family, or from a little of every a little of every place? Well, the estate doesn't really sell anything any, anymore. They had a big sale in 99 uh, to raise capital for some project at that point and some for charity. So they sold a lot of material off about 23 years ago, and they really haven't done it since. In fact, when I worked there, we made a point of not selling anything from the archive. Uh, so, no, this is all coming from private collectors, from sometimes from um, primary sources, I like to call them, you know, people who still own the material that Elvis gave them for one reason or another. Uh, and then some from other, you know, other collectors and um, you know, some from uh, family members of who worked at uh, Graceland during his time, or maybe members of the Memphis Mafia. Uh, those people ended up with a lot of material from Elvis because he was so generous with everything. Jeff, how big a crowd are you expecting in terms of the live on-site auction? I mean, this has got to be a huge event. Uh, it is. You know, I don't. You know, live auctions are really attended online as much as they are live anymore. So I expect True. to be a hundred plus people in the room. You know. <laughs> um, a lot of serious bidders will be there, but I have people calling in from all over the world. I have people bidding up from all over the world online. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I haven't seen a live auction in a while. That's really had hundreds of people, Yeah. you know, in our end of the industry anyway. I mean, car auctions are one thing and there's the occasional special auction uh, in Vegas or something that might uh, draw a bigger crowd. But uh, you know, in this day and age, everybody bids from their, from their couch as much as in person, but we'll have a lot of people down there. And then, and actually uh, because 
this is the 45th anniversary of Elvis's passing this year. And since COVID, this is the first time that European travelers are allowed to enter the U.S. on a regular basis. So we are expecting quite a big crowd in Memphis during Elvis week. So that should be exciting. Can you give us an example of some of the items that are going to be coming up for bid? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, a few of the items are behind me here. We, you know, It really focuses on items that Elvis owned or wore on stage or screen. Uh, certainly vintage concert and movie memorabilia, some autographs, some gold records you might see over my shoulder here. Um, so some of the more featured items, we're actually selling one of his homes uh, that he grew up in in Tupelo, Mississippi when, when he was a kid. Oh, really? Uh, some, <laughs> that's an interesting you're story. You're selling a house. Oh, wait, wait, you're what? selling a house? <laughs> I'm selling, and, and, be, and be clear, I'm selling the physical structure of the house, not the property, because it was going to get torn down a few years back. So some collectors actually cut a deal with the guy and disassembled it. Whatever you know, and videotapes the whole process you over the course of the You've got to be kidding. That's a Tom Rusey yeah. alternative investment right, right there. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so it's actually stored in like a 25-foot trailer that you can drive away and rebuild somewhere else. Yeah, so man. Come on. Let's, let's, someone's buying that house, let's, man. Let's give that Right in the backyard in Merrimack. Right? 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 right on the river. Do you realize what kind of a draw we will get uh, at my house? Man. There you go. That'd be something. Wow. And that's what, and I'm getting a lot of interest in it already. People are talking about turning it into an Airbnb or putting it on their properties, a guest house me? or a tourist attraction. So, you know, that's so like, that's uh, uh, so what, something like that. I mean, what, what is the starting bid going to be on something like that? Or have you determined that yet? No, that's very reasonable. It's only going to start at $25,000. We're estimating it at 50 to a hundred. I mean, we don't know, you know, we're going to find out, but it's, it's somewhere, it should that's, be somewhere in that range. Cheap. And then who knows? You know, I've been contacted by several several television production companies, you know, that might want to get involved with uh, the rebuilding of the house, yep. those kind of shows. So, so that's an exciting item for one, uh, a little bit of an oddball item, but it's good. It's actually gotten a ton of press already and I haven't even launched the auction yet. So that's kind of great. Jeff, is that a Leroy Neiman I see behind you? Actually, no, that's by a modern artist. Okay. And um, I, I had a, some connection with his agent in the last year or so, and he's been doing a lot of great stuff with, um, original art and and G clays and he's done a lot of sports imagery and i've i convinced him to do an elvis piece for this auction so that's an original uh mixed media you know painting with oil paint and, and airbrush he's got a really incredible sort of style that sort of melds photorealism with this this crazy modern touch so uh, we're pretty excited about that one jeff quick question regarding elvis's barber a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, I'm talking Mr. Mike Lamazzo, swears that he owns a good-sized lock of Elvis's hair, and yeah. he said that it was bought at an auction, and his barber, one of his barbers, wherever, was selling off pieces of his hair. Is there any truth to that? That's 100% true. His, home, uh, his barber's name was Homer Gilliland. He was known as Gill, and uh, he started cutting... Elvis's mother's hair in the fifties and then quickly started cutting Elvis's hair as well from the late fifties on until Elvis passed away. So at, at some point in the process, cause he would, he would fly him out to Vegas to cut his hair. He would bring him to other shows, but mostly he cut his hair at Graceland cause he was a local Memphis guy and he would come to the house. He would put a, you know, a, a smock or a towel around Elvis's hair or uh, shoulders and give him a trim. And then he would like, you know, neatly curl up the towel and to throw the hair away. And at some point he started keeping the hair and he ended up with a lot of Elvis's hair. And it's totally legit. Lamazzo so is Lamazzo is telling the truth. Yeah. So there are sources that. So what he did was after Elvis passed, he would make little business cards. And I had one in my last auction and he would just like tape a chunk of hair to it. And the business card would say, this is a piece of Elvis Presley's hair from Homer Gilliland. It's, and it was, so there's a lot of those floating around. And then I worked in an auction house years ago where we sold a big fistful of it about uh, 20 years ago. John might remember that another auction house. That it actually it over a hundred thousand dollars. Elvis actually did a song. It's called jailhouse lock. <laughs> Jesus. All right. I gotta go. Horror. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, we've got about a minute and a half left. I want to ask, oh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Jeff, yeah. Jeff, can I ask you, have you seen the Elvis movie and did good, you like that, it? That's a very good question. Yeah. Yeah, of course I did. And it was uh, it was actually fantastic. Is uh, it going to help your auction? Absolutely. We're pretty excited about the the Elvis bump that's happening the this timing. summer. A lot of interest. Yeah, it's, it's right. very exciting. And the kid was great. I mean, we could talk for an hour about the factual inaccuracies, but that's just because it's a movie. Right. Sure. They're compressing right. historical events. But effectively, it's true with not being perfectly accurate, if that makes any sense. But the kid was great. So well, people want to um, bid. How do they bid? 
They can go to uh, <laughs> they can go to rockhurstauctions.com and uh, register to bid there, and then they can bid online. They can bid live in the room. They can bid on the phone. I'll These give are you also up for auction. Uh, These are obviously PCB glasses. Starting bid uh, four bucks. <laughs> Those are probably going to be estimated at forty to sixty thousand dollars. Like if, if Elvis and Swifty Lavar had a kid, it would have been Jeff in those glasses. <laughs> Which is about the same as his diamond-studded PCB. Wow, very, look at that. very cool. Very oh, cool. Oh my lord! Yeah, so it never ends. Great There's stuff. so much great stuff. I oh, just- Yes, I do have one of his watches. You're right. His 55 Rolex. Gosh. Will be in the oh, that's awesome. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, listen. It's going to be great. All yeah. kidding aside, we love having you Absolutely. on. You get it. You understand it. And you have yep. a great sense of humor. Rockhurstauctions.com in August 14th. August fourteenth. It'll go online sometime first week of August. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to be. You're not going to be at the national uh, gather. I'm not actually. No, I can't go this year. Okay. So. Well, we wish you the best with the auction, and we'll follow up Thank later you. on. All right. Thanks, guys. Take Jeff, care. Thanks a lot, man. Jeff Marin from Rockers. He's great. Funny, funny he? guy. He's funny the best, guy. Man. All right. Listen, I think we're just about out of time. Great show today. Yeah. Good to be back. Toby, Ruggie, Marin. Marin. Great. How do you how three, do you top three, that? Three different topics, but it, it all kind of blended. Yeah, man. That's those are three. Uh, th- I rate all three of those cards a ten. And listen, all kidding aside, at the beginning of the show, I said it. I'm not trying to pontificate. Please get vaxxed and get a booster if you can. If you can, not forcing you to, but from what my doctors told me, it would have been a lot more difficult yeah. had Ellen and I not done that. Yeah. With that being said, we love you guys. Looking forward to, we have one more show and then we're going to be at the National. Uh, we're going to be, it's going to be, the National is going to be out of, out of control. Fun, With that fun. being said, happy collecting. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.